Good evening, everyone. I'm so glad you're all here tonight. It has been an incredible week, week and a half, hasn't it? I know some of you are still right in the midst of a lot of heartbreak, and there's been a lot of nerve-wracking things happening, and there's been a lot of tragedy. But in the midst of it all, there's been a lot of rejoicing, too. And here's something I'm rejoicing for. I'm rejoicing in the fact that we have such a loving, caring, and giving church family. You guys have gone above and beyond, seriously. Um, we have, because of your giving, been able to reach out to our community in ways that we never thought we could. We've been able to provide some meals, hot meals for them. And we've been able, because you've been volunteering, because you've been giving generous offerings, we've been able to provide food, and um, we've been able to just reach out and show the love of Jesus to a lot of people. One of the other things we get to do because of your giving is we are, starting next Monday, going to house uh, a charter school that was evacuated and they were all here today and it was so heartwarming to get to meet all of them and they don't you know they're thinking that they might not want to leave after school school year is up but they get to use a couple of our rooms over there and there'll be about oh 40 or 50 children uh, kindergarten through fourth grade and I was talking to one of their staff today and she had tears in her eyes and she said you know when I drive into Hilo she said it's surreal for me because everybody's going about their lives in a normal way and nothing's been normal for them her house she lives in Leilani estate so her house burned and a lot of their staff have lost their homes and and have been evacuated and she said thank you so much just for letting us have a little bit of normal thank you so much for allowing us to bring our kids here to have a little bit of normal and we get to reach out to our community that way so when we are um, giving and we know that we get to participate in what Jesus is doing in our community and in our world. That's how we give cheerfully. It, right, amen? Isn't that right? <laughs> so I want to read to you um, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will be, to, will be given to you. For with, what you with the same measure that you use, it will be get measured back to you. In other words, what you give will be given back to you. The amount you give will be given back. And that's God's economy. We are blessed so that we can bless. And we are, um, we are blessed, and when we bless, we get blessed. It's, it's his cycle. It's his promise to um, to to bless and to honor our giving hearts. So be rejoicing tonight in all of the things that we're, um, we're getting to work through now. Rejoice, be a cheerful giver. Know that you're getting to participate in showing our community, in showing the, the people at the shelters and in Pahoa and Keao and Puna that God loves them and that there is hope. Amen. 
Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we get to not only participate in what you're doing in our community right now, Lord, and um, but we're getting to share your love and your life with others. Thank you, Lord, that you are so faithful in each of our lives, that you not only ask us to give, Lord, but you give back, that you not only ask us to bless others and to be available to them, to clothe, to feed, to house, but Lord, you provide all that we need because you are a faithful, faithful Heavenly Father. We love you tonight, Lord, and we do give cheerfully tonight. Lord, use this offering. Bless these, this family. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Lynn. Let me just say thank you to Pastor Lynn and the, our whole entire children's ministry uh, just for being willing to shift and uh, make whatever adjustments necessary so that we can serve our community. And just to give you an update, that's kind of what we've been doing in the past week or so, uh, maybe five days ever since the lava broke out that we've been trying our very best to uh, help in whatever way we can. And our, our, this church, uh, all of you as volunteers and, and even those of you who give and pray and, and all the support that uh, we've been getting has been amazing. So I just want to give you a quick update, a quick report on what's been happening. Our two objectives, and I mentioned this on Sunday, the two objectives that we have uh, for those out in the Puna area uh, are... Uh, volunteers, that we need volunteers, and then we're making hot meals. And those two objectives that we have has been great. We served breakfast, what is today? Wednesday, uh, this morning, and we had a crew up here at 3.30 making breakfast so that we could send it down at about 6.30. And so the, the, the joy that people had, and I'm not sure if any of you were there, but just the joy of having a hot meal, you know, it, and, and fruits. We brought down fruits and, you know, fresh fruits, uh, fresh eggs. I like the cracked egg. I don't like liquid egg, uh, just for me personally, but I think just for them to know that we want to do our very best to not just feed them, but love them. Uh, our, that's our first priority. Our, our priority is actually not feeding. That's secondary. The first priority is love. Love never fails. Food will always fail. So, but love never fails, and if we can go in with love, then we will never fail. So, if you're able to, uh, you can go online or through our church app and see the different areas to volunteer, or if, and, and that's volunteering down there with uh, overnight, I'm not sure if they're still doing overnight, actually they're not doing overnight uh, volunteers, they stopped that because the night was slow, so they said pour all of the volunteers during the daytime, that's when we need most of the help, and if you want to volunteer up here, we are cooking mostly on Thursdays. We've committed to Thursdays, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we meet here at 3.30, 9.30, and 3.30, right? 3.30, yeah, 3.30, 9.30, and 3.30, which is 3.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and then 3.30 in the afternoon so that we can be ready for uh, delivering down there. And so if you, if you want to jump in, if you, if you have a couple of hours, then go onto our church app or our website and then give us an email and then we'll slot you in there. You'll get a phone call and then we'll find out where everyone can be slotted. And we're in it for the long haul. So if you're not able to this week or next week, you might be able to if, time, if we see how time goes, that maybe next month or however long. 
but we're hoping it's not that long. But if we need be, uh, we're the go-to player that God looks to for our community. We're that, we're that valuable to the world. God says you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. He calls us that. So we're going to add flavor and we're going to shine our light and we're going to do it in that kind of way. So that's, that's a part of it. It's, it's volunteering and uh, cooking food for them and uh, bringing fresh fruit as well as you know, fresh produce, lettuce, and things like that. A lot of vegetarians in our world today, so we want to make sure that everyone you know, uh, gets, a, gets a meal. Uh, aside from that, I just want to let you know, when we received our offering on Sunday morning, uh, you gave over $17,000 to the relief efforts for Puna. So thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and, and here's, here's the amazing thing. That, that those finances are dedicated specifically for the food that we're going to be cooking. And, and, and as far as we've gone right now, we haven't bought rice because there's tons of rice. And you've been hearing the news that they're not able to cook down there because they don't have a certified kitchen, which I know for some of us, we're like, what? My kitchen at my house is not certified. I eat the rice. I understand that. Uh, but there is the law because people do get sick when people don't know how to cook. And so we do want to be careful of that. But we have a certified kitchen, so they're just giving us the rice. And so we have rice for a while. <laughs> and so we're okay for rice. Uh, but people are loving. Our community is like that, right? People just will give and give and give. So instead of us getting angry, let's be thankful that they're giving, and let's figure out ways how to when there's too much food. How do we help? Well, we have a certified kitchen, so we're going to take the, uh, receive the food that they cannot cook, and then we'll bring it up here, and then we'll cook it, and then we'll bring it down there for them. So just know that when you hear these things on Facebook, you don't have to rant and rave. Just know that God is doing something that maybe mankind cannot see or understand. The church is mo moving and our, it, we're mobilized and we're going to be doing this for our community. And, uh, and so that, that's the part we get to play. And so if you're, if you're available, that would definitely help. And it's mostly on Thursdays. We are also on standby. If any of you seen Top Gun, then we are Maverick on deck, ready to go. And so if someone cancels, then at the spur of the moment, we're ready to go and we'll jump in and, and then bring food down there. Uh, Jesus did that. He did it very well. And he fed 5,000 with just a few fish and some bread. He is giving us a good amount of food. So we have opportunity to feed our community. So I want to say thank you on behalf of our community for serving, for giving, and for providing food. Can we just say thank you to all of you who have done that? Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I, I also want to say thank you to our staff. They have given over and beyond. And they're, they have normal things to do, like our Sunday and Wednesday service. Mother's Day is coming up, which is the third largest service of our year. So we're gearing up for that this weekend. But our staff has gone over and beyond. You as volunteers have stepped up. So again, uh, the, just the, the critical uh, point of right now or the critical time of right now uh, this has been such an amazing week for those of you who have been jumping in and uh, just watching people come together but our staff i just want to say thank you to our staff and their families for sacrificing their time and energies and for you if you're a part of helping down there uh, thank you for doing that if you're a part of our state or city um, officials and you're helping down there thank you for doing that there is there are a lot of things happening behind the scenes that people do not see and you may not get a thank you for but i just want to say thank you for 
you doing that if you're down there. And then again, thank you to our staff and volunteers. So we just want to say thank you to our staff, thank you to our volunteers, and their family members too. Thank you. And so we're in it for the long haul, but again, this is, this is who Jesus called us to be. We're the church, and we're his body. He's the head of it, and wherever he goes, we must follow because we're the body of Christ. And, in, and today, tonight, we're actually starting a brand new series uh, because summer is coming up. We're starting a summer celebration series, and we're going to be celebrating even in the midst of chaos so we're going we're gonna to have a summer celebration, and tonight we're going to talk about celebrating family. Because think about it, family is the smallest church that God has created. It's family. If you go down to Pune right now, you're going to see family. And you may not be related, but you become family. When there is a huge amount of evacuees, and you're in one place, you better become family quick. And you see that happening. It's just trying to work together. But what happens is sometimes we forget that God created us for family. He created us for relationship. That's, that was his goal in creating us. It was relationship. And if we forget about relationship, we forget the goal of God or the purpose of God. And he wanted us to be a part of his family. That's why he created us. He wanted us to see him as Abba Father, as our dad. And as time goes by, if we forget about that, then we forget about that in our very own families. And once we forget about that in our very own families, now we just exist together and live with one another, but there's no family. There's no connection. There's no ohana. So this series is all about celebrating all that God has done for us and all that he continues to do. And when we think about family, he created us in his image. And because of that image that he created us in, it is, it is all about relationship. And so we're going we're gonna to let God know how grateful we are to him that he has blessed us with one another. So I'm not sure if your family members are here tonight, but it, and, and if they are, just, just give them like a, I am so thankful for you. Just like, you don't have to look at them or tell them, just kind of, oh, if you want to, that's fine. But just to get it in your mind that I am so thankful for you and be grateful for one another. Now, you might have been fighting on the way in, and right now you're not saying anything to each other. That's okay. At the end of this service, you're going to be crying. I'm so sorry. I love you, honey. And that's, that, that's what family does. I know we fight every once in a while, and, that, and that's fine. But even through the fights, we can get better, and we can become stronger and stronger. If you do have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1, and I'll read from verses 26 through 28, and then verse 31. Or if you have the, our church app, you can open that up. Uh, but Genesis 1, verse 26, begins in this way. And this is when, after, uh, after God was creating everything and, you know, the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and God spoke and there was light. So God is doing amazing things. He's creating. The master at work is creating his masterpiece. And as he's creating, verse 26, God said, let us make mankind in our image. So who is God talking to? Because if there was no one made yet, who is, who is he saying, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals. By the way, if you saw our field, we have wild animals coming to our field. We got pigs coming on our field and they're eating grub. Remember Hakuna Matata? Was that pig? Yeah, Pumba. Pumba is outside eating grub. So you see all of that? 
So we got a, any pig hunters around? I'm just saying. Yeah. Smoke meat for days. So God is saying, you're going to have, you're going to have, you're going to rule over the fish of the sea, all the wild animals, and, and over all the creatures that move on, along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then in verse 31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So we see God creating, and he says, let us make mankind in our image. You know who he was talking with? He was talking to himself, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. He was saying, let us make mankind in our image. See, God the Father, he's the, he's the thinker. He's the planner. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. He's a planner. Jesus Christ is the one that he, he's the, he's like the, the love of God the Father. He's the, the one that is the, the emotional side. Jesus had compassion on us. And then you have the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, that without the, without the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't, we don't have enough in us to do the will of God. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So God says, let us create mankind in our image. So now we have our emotional side, we have our will, and then we have our intellect. That's why, that's, that's what God did with us. He said, I'm going to take us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, intellect, emotion, and will, and I'm going to put that in you too. So we're going to have emotion, intellect, and will. That's a part of who we are. We're made in the image of God. And if we forget about our emotions, our intellect, and our will, then we don't function well in our families. Because for some of us, oh boy, do we have a strong will. Like we got a strong mind. Have you ever tried to change someone's mind? who has a strong mind and their will, and they're just like unchangeable. And you're trying to change them, and they're like, nope, 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 I don't care. Yeah, but you're wrong. No, I don't care if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I write. I don't care. I don't care. It's like there's just one track mind, and there's no way that there's any other way. It's their way or the highway. See, you know, must be you then. But you, we just have that mentality. <laughs> you were ready, ready to say it. And I think if we forget about the, just the will of mankind, how strong that is, then we think we function on our own will. But remember what Jesus said? It's, it's not my will, but it's your will. Jesus himself subjected his emotions to the will of the Father, which brings us to the emotional ones. There are usually maybe one or two in the family, or maybe one that is the emotional one. There's some drama. Now, don't look around, okay? I know this tonight we're kind of pinpointing. <laughs> and the safest thing to do is just let God speak. And then you just smile. Just this smile. But the emotional side, because of emotions, everything is something going bad. And uh, there's a lot of worry. There's a lot of, you know, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if you know, we should let them go out because it's dangerous. I don't know if they should drive right now because it's dangerous. Honey, they're 30 years old. I know, I know. But, you know, 
it's dangerous out there. So there's a lot of worry because there's the emotional side. And sometimes we function only on emotion. And while you're stressing out and everyone's happy and free, you're like, why? Why is everyone just having a great time? Only I'm the one that is doing this. Only I'm the one that's uh, caring. I'm the only one who cares about this. I'm the only one who's cleaning up. No one's helping me. And so the, the emotional side takes a hold of you. And everyone else is like, stay away from them. And they're happy. And it makes you even more upset because why are you guys all happy? You know, everybody grounded, even you, husband or wife. So the emotional side, if we forget about that, that we, we are emotional creatures, if we forget that God created us in his image, we only stick to our emotions, not the will of the Father and not the intellect of God. And we become emotional people. And then you have the intellect. These are the brainiacs, the people that they know it all, that there's, it's, it's, they just know, and they know how to function. They, they, they figure their way out, and then if you're, if you're trying to do it uh, with this way, they're already thinking things through. They're problem-solving. They're very analytical. They're able to look at a situation and then dissect it, solve it, and then figure it out, and then come out on the other side with the answer, which can be a problem in marriage, because the wife is emoting and saying, honey, this is happening, this is happening. Or maybe the husband is emoting. And then the problem solver comes in and says, oh, okay, so all you need to do, honey, is A, B, C, D. No, I'm not asking you to fix it. Yeah, but if you just did this, everything would be fine. No, but that's not what I'm saying. Don't you care about my feelings? My feelings are hurt. Yeah, I know, but you wouldn't be hurt if you did this, this, and this. Your fault. Why you say that to the lady over there? You're like, we, we try to problem solve and only with intellect. And if we forget about the other two, we only function on intellect and we forget about empathy and we forget about how the other person feels. So if we're thinking about family and we have those three elements and we don't balance that out with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, then we are like a three-legged stool that will function poorly because we're going to fall on one side or the other. So when we talk about celebrating family, if you're very strong in one of those areas, then you're going to need God to help balance out everything else. So when God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in the image of God, he created them male and female. Male and female are created in the image of God. So we all have the opportunity to celebrate one another. Tonight, I want to look at three areas that can help us as we learn, how do we celebrate family and why do we need to celebrate family? And part of the reason why we need to celebrate family is because if we don't, the small things will destroy us. If we don't celebrate family, it's the small things that come in that will destroy us. So here are three ways to to keep us in the celebration stage of family. Here's the first one. Beware of the subtleness of the devil. We've got to beware of that. He's so cunning. He's so He's crafty, and, and he's, he's very uh, sly at what he does, and, and it's very subtle. Subtle means, it's a, especially of a change or distinction, it's so delicate or precise as to be difficult to analyze or describe. It's that subtle. You can't even analyze it. You cannot pinpoint it because it happens so subtly. It's also making use of clever and indirect methods to achieve something. So he comes in with in all kinds of angles and perspectives to destroy us. So be very careful and be aware of the subtleness of the devil. 
1 Peter 5.8 says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Have you ever seen a lion hunt? Yeah, they don't just come out and say, Hey, wait a meal, wait a my pray. No, they, they come out and they're like, and then they stop. And they wait, and the gazelle is like, hey, I, I smell something. And the lion is right there, in, right in the bushes. And, and the lion just stays still, crouches, and then when the opportunity comes, he pounces on his prey. That's what the devil does. The devil just prowls around. He's very sneaky. And we don't even recognize it. We, we kind of sense that there's something there. That, okay, what is that? Is it, what is happening? Is it, is, it my, is it my time with the Lord? Did I do something wrong? Is that why I'm being punished? No, we say these things. But it's just the devil right next to us just prowling, just waiting for that opportune time. And then he pounces on us. Prowl, when the Bible says that, the, yeah, that he prowls around, that's the word that means to make one's way, progress, to make due use of opportunities. Like he looks for those opportunities and he doesn't waste an opportunity. He waits for that right moment and then he pounces. That's why we got to beware of his subtleness because it's in the little things that the devil comes in. It's not the major things. That's, that's a result of all the small things that we didn't catch. That's why John 10.10 reminds us that the thief's purpose, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, that the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And we know it as the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. But I like when the Bible says that the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. It allows us to understand that he has a purpose, and it is not for our good. God's purpose is for our good. But if we know his purpose, then we can avoid his plan. And we know his purpose. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So now we can avoid his plan. My brother, he's six years younger than me, and his name is Daron. We call him D. I was visiting uh, them on Oahu some time ago, and we have this thing with cookies because we grew up with once in a great while, my mom would uh, buy these Pillsbury Doughboy cookies, uh, you know, the dough, and it was back in the day when you had to cut it up. It came in that, like, like sausage-looking thing. So she would cut it up, cut off the ends, let us eat the raw dough. It was so good. And we never got worms, but it was so good. <laughs> so she cut up, and she would make us cookies, and we'd eat cookies in milk, and it's super good. Well, we still kind of do that whenever we get together. So I came over one night, and my sister made cookies, and there was a, a bunch of cookies on the counter with uh, wax paper over it. And I was wondering, that's kind of strange. And so I said, okay, so we're going to eat cookies, and so I brought the milk, and we sat down, we were eating cookies, and I said, what are those cookies on the counter? And my brother said, oh, those are the good ones. I said, oh. So I open it up, and I eat the first one, and then I realized this isn't that good. So I'm eating, so I eat the rest of that cookie, and then I go back to the other one, and I'm eating that one, and I, I said, um, how come you're not eating that one? And he said, oh, no, I'm just saving that one because those are the better ones. I said, oh, okay. So I keep eating these cookies. And he says, you can eat some more. I said, no, no, no I, I'll eat this one. Because I caught on to his plan. Those were decoy cookies. <laughs> he made decoy cookies. See, the decoy cookies is the junk ones that you eat, and then we eat the good ones. So <laughs> I was thinking in my mind, 
I trained this boy to be like that. So don't try and trick me with the plans I used to use for you. But I, I, knew, his, I, knew, his, I knew his purpose. He wanted to eat the good cookies. So I knew his plan. He was going to give me the bad cookies. Now, I know it's just cookies, but here's the principle. This is what the devil does. He presents good cookies to you that you think are good. You think that's the life to live. You think this is how your family is supposed to function, aside from God's principles. And then we're here having a great time thinking that, okay, this is so good, when all the while God is saying, but this is the very best ones. Don't listen to the subtleness of the devil. He'll come in and he'll, he'll come to steal, kill, and destroy. But if we know his purpose, then we can know his plan. And if we know his plan, then we can stay away from his plan. We can avoid his plan. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says that now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, the serpent said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So you can see how the devil comes in. He'll come in with, he'll use the word of God, but he'll use it against us and he'll, he'll twist it a little bit. And he'll say, did God really say that? Really, did God say this about your family? Did God really say you couldn't do this? Does the Bible say you're not supposed to do this? He'll come in very subtle and he'll breathe little decoys here and there. And if we don't know the purpose of God, then we will fall prey to the purpose of the enemy. And God has a greater purpose for us as family. And he wants us to celebrate one another. He wants us to celebrate family. Just think about this next couple of months, not just what's happening in our community, but for some of you, you have uh, children who are in school right now. And so when summertime comes, they're going to be with you all day unless you have another program with them or, or something like that or babysitters or a family that helps in, uh, jumps in, but they're going to be with you. So we got to be prepared for summertime when our children are at home. If you have teenagers, there goes the food supply. So you're going to have to plan for this. So that's part of tonight. It's how do we plan for now the summertime? We're going to be around each other more. And we want to set some guidelines, some principles to help us. And this, these are the times that the, the devil looks at. He's subtle. And he'll come in and wait for that opportunity. And then he'll pounce on our entire family. He's crafty, the Bible says. He was more crafty than any of the wild animals. He's crafty, which means subtle, sly, shrewd, and sensible. So he's very smart. He's very sensible. He knows what he's doing. And he knows the word of God better than you and I. He used the word of God against Jesus when Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days and fasted before Jesus started his public ministry. And he tempted Jesus and used the word of God against him, but Jesus kept saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus knew the word of God because Jesus is the word of God. And when Jesus lives in you, now you have the power of the Holy Spirit to avoid the plans of the enemy. So I want to draw out something really quickly. And this is kind of the train, chain, chain reaction that takes place. And if this is us right here, and this is the place where the devil wants to get us, he throws in little things here and there, and it's very subtle. So by the time we get here, there's like a, a death that takes place. And because of that death, it's like there's a slow dying death in our family. It's a slow dying death in our relationships. Why? Because he's very subtle. We won't see it. He doesn't just come in and then 
just hammer down and, and, and just destroy, he comes to steal, kill, and then we're destroyed. There's a subtle death that takes place, and it's so minute in the beginning that we don't even recognize it. And the only way we recognize it is if we're aware of his strategies, as well as if we are with the Father and we have, we have the Holy Spirit in us to help us as he guides us to discern what's happening. So even the small things that happen in family, you got to catch those things, which comes to number two. We got to celebrate victories, not failures. Celebrate the victories. Uh, right now, and if you're an NBA fan and you have a, a team, right now is right the playoffs, and if your team is winning, you're celebrating. <clears throat> you're celebrating. But in the celebration, you're not celebrating, saying, oh, right on, right on. Hey, you know, you missed a couple free throws, you know, the other day. So, hey, but hey, we're celebrating, you're celebrating. Yeah, you, 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 you I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why you took that shot. That was a horrible shot. But we're celebrating. You're not talking about your failures. You're celebrating the good things that God has done. You're celebrating the fact that in the end, we win, that we are created for eternity, that God has a, a resting place for us. He has given us his one and only son. So we have so much to celebrate. But at the same time, there are small things that happen in family, victories that take place that we should be celebrating. Don't underestimate what celebrating can do when it comes to your family. Even small things. If, you're, if your husband picks up his shirt, celebrate that. Throw a party. Because this may be one out of the 50 million that we forget. But celebrate that. And not sarcastically. Just say, oh, honey, thank you for picking up your shirt. Anything. Just celebrate anything. Just small things. Celebrate the small things. All those little victories. And here's why. Because it takes nine celebrations to get back to even with one failure. It just takes that much to get back to even. Because if we did something and we failed at something... And everyone is saying, oh, man, you, you, I thought you said you were going to do this. Or you told me about this. You told, and you, you made a mistake here. You failed at this. It takes so much effort and so much encouragement to just get back to even. And it's about a nine-to-one ratio. So imagine if our loved ones are going to work or school, and they're getting bombarded with discouragement. And then they come home to the family, and the first thing we say is something negative. It does not help them at all. The home should be the resting place for victories. That's where victory should be celebrated. It should be at home. It's, hey, well done. Oh, honey, you worked so hard. Honey, thank you so much for packing my lunch. Or, or honey, thank you so much for, for doing well in school and, and keeping up with your homework. And, and thank you for helping daddy wash the car, even though you didn't scratch him the other day. It's okay. Now, don't say that. But it's, it's those little moments that help with the encouragement for the family. It's all those moments. It's saying thank you. It's saying I appreciate you. For instance, uh, I, I tell Heidi this often, and I still have to work on this. I tell her, I say, Heidi, thank you so much for washing clothes, but not just washing clothes, but folding them and putting them away. We have a washing machine and a dryer and a clothesline outside. So washing clothes isn't the hard part. It's taking them out and folding them and putting them away. See, if I had my way, I'd probably roll them up and throw them in the drawer. That's, that's probably me. But thank you, Heidi, for folding the clothes and putting them away because it doesn't just appear there. Normally, what can happen is I'll open my drawer and say, Honey, well, I'm on shirt. Where's my shirts? I don't have any socks. Or we can say, Honey, thank you so much for washing clothes. 
If you're the husband and you wash clothes, wives, honey, thank you for washing clothes. Now you might be thinking, thank, thank each other. You know, I do 50,000 things and I'm going to say thank you. But that's where it begins. That's the subtleness of the enemy. And you're not doing this for one another, really. You're actually doing this for the Lord. You're saying, Lord, I am thankful. And so I want to give you glory because this is happening. So beware of that subtleness because it's, it's going to end up in death. Celebrate those little victories, not the failures. Build each other up. Don't tear each other down. Now, I know in some families, sarcasm is in the bloodline. It's just like that's, you think of it as your gift from God. Oh, God gave me the gift of discernment and sarcasm. But it's, and I know sometimes it can be done in a fun way, but sometimes sarcasm in the beginning can turn into toxins later. We just got to be careful because then it can become cutting and, and condescending and, and even cynical. But it all, it starts off small and then all of a sudden those small little nitpicky things and, and cut downs, 15 years later, you're on opposite ends tearing each other apart when in the beginning you were so in love it's those small things that along the way that you forgot about celebrating the victories that now in the end, everything just fell apart. And you might be thinking, well, what happened? Well, you stopped celebrating each other's victories and you started celebrating each other's failures and faults. And we started pointing that out. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, it says this in Revelation 3, 5, all who are victorious, all who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, and this is Jesus speaking, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. See, it's in the celebration, it's in that celebrative mode that we're in. It's in the celebration that we find life. It's in the celebration that we are announced before God and his angels that we are his. It's in that celebration mode. So if God is doing that, if Jesus is doing that, if the, if the angels are doing that, how much more should we? That's the victorious ones, and we are the victorious ones. We want, to celebrate, we want to celebrate in those moments the victories. And when we do so, Jesus is announcing it before his Father in heaven. I, I, think, we do that. I think we do that with our own kids. I mean, don't we say that with our kids? When they're, when they're doing well, we say, oh, look at my son, look at my daughter. And then when they're misbehaving, it's like, babe, talk to your son. That's what we do, right? When they're, when, they're, when they're misbehaving, we say, talk to you, talk to you. Honey, you got to talk to your daughter. That's what we say. Why? It's not in the moments that they're celebrating. When they're celebrating and they're on stage, they get an award. It's like, oh, good, take a picture. Yeah. Post it to Instagram. Look, my baby girl. But when they're kolohe, it's like, look, my father's son. Look, my husband's son. Look at my wife's daughter. It's, we, we, don't, we don't want that part. Not that we don't like them, but... There's just something in us that when people do well, when our children do well, when our family do well, we want to be a part of it. And God says, I want to be a part of that too. So in victory, celebrate one another. Celebrate each other in everything that you do because I'm doing the same thing and I made you in my image. Nehemiah 8.10 tells us in the time when Israel was going through just a, a train wreck and they had to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that Nehemiah is saying, listen, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And Ezra also was there. And Ezra was speaking and saying, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
We've got to have joy in our family. And once the joy is taken out of our family, it's the beginning of the slow death that takes place. It takes joy to restore the, to restore the breakdown of the family. We've got to have joy. We've got to have moments that we laugh together, have fun together. Do that often. Celebrate the victories more than you do the failures. And then the last thing, forgive often and forgive freely. God gave us forgiveness. In fact, Colossians 3.13, it says, make allowance for each other's faults. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Yeah, make allowance means to bear with one another. Not, not, not uh, tolerate one another. It's you're bearing with one another. It means to sustain one another, to bear one another, to endure with each other, and to hold each other up. Luke 17, verse 4, it says, Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive even though seven times a day. Because sometimes it takes seven times a day for our children to understand something. We say, what did mommy say? What did daddy say? What did I tell you about your room? What did I tell you about this? What did I say about homework? Sometimes it has to be seven times a day. But even in marriage, it has to be that often. So forgive often and forgive freely. And that helps us as we continue to celebrate our families. And he said, do this often. Why? Because you... If you forget to forgive, you forget you've been forgiven. And so he says, yeah, even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, forgive. Forgive freely. You must forgive. Why? Because forgiveness is never for the other person. It is for you. It's not for them. When, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we've seen this, that when we see that there's unforgiveness and you have something against someone, but the other person is happily doing whatever they're doing, it makes you more mad. It makes you more upset. And so they have these things called revenge, right? We want to have, we have a, a, I think it's called like a revenge body, that if you get a nicer body, then that person is going to be mad because you look better than when you were with them. And so you get like a revenge body, a revenge way of thinking, and we start doing revenge rather than res- restoration and forgiveness, so God is saying, no, 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 it's, it's not about revenge. Vengeance is mine, God says. He says, I'm the best at it. You're horrible at vengeance. And you might be thinking, no, I good, I good, I can, I can, I'm good at revenge. Yeah, but even though you may be good at revenge, in the end, you're horrible. If you're the best at revenge, that's the, that's the worst you can be. So God says, leave that up to me. Your department is restoration, forgiveness. We might be thinking, well, they did this to me, so it's very difficult to forgive. Understandable. But if there's no forgiveness, then there's no celebration. And if there's no celebration, there's no joy. And when there is no joy, there is no strength. And when there is no strength, there is no life. And when there is no life, you end up with death. In other words, unforgiveness automatically leads to death automatically ephesians 4 31 and 32 it says get rid of all bitterness rage anger harsh words and slander as well as all types of behavior or evil behavior instead be kind to each other tender-hearted forgiving one another just as god through christ has forgiven you 
In other words, the only way we can get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, and harsh words and slander is to understand that God already forgave us for being bitter towards him, for having rage towards him, for being angry with him, for having harsh words towards him, slandering his name, as well as having evil behavior towards him. So he says, all that you did to me, I forgave you. Now do the same for other people because it will only lead to death. And this is what it means that Christ forgave us, that Christ has forgiven you at the end of the scripture. See, his forgiveness towards us was made powerful in us by his death. Christ's forgiveness leads to life because he took the death part away. I'll look at it this way. If we have, what was it, bitterness, anger, slander, uh, evil behavior, uh, other types of evil things. <laughs> I'm just trying to fill it in. Uh, I'll just put a question mark because we have all kinds of things. So what Jesus did is, because all of this leads to death, he said, what I'll do then is I will, I will, I will send myself and I will die on the cross so that I can replace this with myself. So I'll take care of all of this in your life so that I can give you life and life more abundantly. In other words, because Jesus is life, he's the only one who could do this. He replaced death for us with his life. As he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he replaced death with himself, so now we have life through his forgiveness for us. But if we, if we refuse his forgiveness for us by not forgiving, the next best option is death. That's the other option. We don't have any other option if there is unforgiveness. That's the only option we have. What the devil did in the garden, Jesus reversed on the cross. And what did the devil do in the garden? He broke apart the family that we had with God. He broke that relationship that we had with God. So there is, if there is no celebration in the family, then that's an, that's an indication that, that God is not in it. But when there is celebration in the family, then God can be in it. So if you're having a difficult time in the family, in our relationships, we've got to bring God in it so that we can have times of celebration. Now, what did Jesus do on the cross? He replaced death with himself so that we could once again be family with God and so that we could once again function as family together. If that went wrong in the, Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden. God reversed that, corrected it at the cross. And so now we have family with one another. I'm going to ask you to close your Bibles and put away your notes and then we're going to pray tonight and, and close. But I want, to, I want to encourage you with that, to bring God in your family. Keep him there. Keep him in your family. Be consistent. And beware of the subtleness of the devil. Celebrate the victories that God gives to us. Celebrate each other's victories in our lives and everything that we're doing, not the failures. The failures are going to take care of themselves. And yes, we have to learn and we got to correct and we have to build each other up and we have to uh, receive and then make adjustments along the way. But we don't have to be so harsh when there's a failure 
Help each other. Build each other up. Be that person for your family member. And celebrate the victories, not the failures. Forgive one another freely. We can only forgive freely because that's what Jesus did for us. He said, I took care of all that bitterness, anger, all of that that's going to lead to death. I took all of that so that you could have life. And forgive one another freely, just as God has forgiven us through Christ Jesus. And so tonight, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment, and I'm going to welcome up the worship team as we close with our final song. But if, if, you, if you're bowing your heads right now, and, and you're thinking of your family, you're thinking of your relationship, or it may be maybe just you right now, maybe your relationship with God, and he's right now saying, I, I, I want us to reconnect because it's, it's been broken for a while. I want us to reconnect. Then reconnect with God. It's a simple act of forgiveness. It's a simple prayer of saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me brand new again. Restore the joy of my salvation and help me to be one with you. It's a simple prayer. God celebrates family with us. He's our Father in heaven. And so do that right now. Just, just take some time and and just talk with God. Let him, let him do something in you. Let him show you some areas that you can celebrate with him. Because most of the times we go directly to our sin. And God says, there's so much that you're doing well. And so many opportunities for doing well. And so many times that you can, you can step up. But don't forget who I am in you. And just take this time with God. Just take a couple minutes and just pause for a minute. Just talk with God. Let Him do something in you. Lord, we're so grateful for your spirit. Thank you for showing us who we are in you. Thank you for creating us in your image. We pray that we'll continue to celebrate you in our families. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen, amen. Lord, you deserve our very best, Lord.